Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Colossians. This is one of those messages, if we're going to liken sermons to a meal, where we are, we are uh, passing up the chips and salsa, the salad, and just putting the steak on the plate, yeah. right? Yeah. Any meat eaters out there? Amen. If you're not, you can get saved today <laughs> and eat better the rest of your life. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, this is going to be more like a Bible study today. I want to um, talk to you about the gospel truth. That's what I've titled this message, the gospel truth. And the the truth of the gospel is the only way that you, we can really understand it and in, enjoy it and experience it is to believe it because it goes against our natural propensity, our, our inborn, innate uh, way of thinking and operating. Because it's not, this gospel message does not teach us a system of merit it teaches us that we have unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor from God. And you know, when I think about that, it's taken me a long time to get resolved in that because I live with Eric Holler. I know my faults. I know my struggles. I know my failures. And all those experiences can cause you to believe that you're out of the favor of God. That you no longer please Him. But the gospel teaches us that that's not true. That God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to Himself. And this is how He did it. Not holding their sins against them. Wow. Wow. And to accept that, you have to believe it because it works against your own thinking. It's like, is it really? Is he really that good? Is this really true? And absolutely it is. It is actual good news. Is what the gospel means, good news. This is not good news that has conditions on it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Just the truth of the gospel, all right? And just look at these scriptures at face value and see what we can learn uh, from the Apostle Paul. How many of you know that the Apostle Paul taught us Gentiles what Jesus taught him to teach us, all right? So he is our primary focus uh, when, it, when it comes to uh, the gospel and to the practice or the, the lifestyle, the walking of the gospel. You know, not all scripture is uh, applicable to you. All scripture is for us, but not all of it is to us. Some of it is what we learn from, but the other is what we live in. Okay, so what you need to remember about this is that we live in the letters, the letters of Paul, because he is the apostle to the Gentile. And as I said, his message came from Jesus to us because Jesus' message, while he was here, when he's walking the earth and he was teaching and he said, I'm not sent 
but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right, so he made his audience very exclusive in, 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 in that. So Jesus was not called to the Gentiles, he was called to the Jews. And he even said that healing was the children's bread. Nobody on the outside of the children of Israel had any rights to that covenant. And so if you don't understand this, what he means by that, you'll think that Jesus is kind of rude. And he looks like that. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you see these kind of ideas of Jesus. Hey, man, peace. I love everybody. That, no, Jesus wasn't doing that. Jesus was on a, a man on a mission. He had a, a calling to fulfill. He said to Pilate, for this cause I was born. And for this cause, I came into the, where, to the world to bear witness of the truth. Okay? So, but thank God, his death, burial, and resurrection was not exclusive to the Jews. It was for all of us. But that wasn't revealed till later on, until Acts chapter 10, when the Lord gave Peter a vision. He goes to Cornelius' house. Remember, the first Gentile convert did not happen uh, for many, many years, even after Jesus was ascended into heaven. So, Colossians chapter 1, let's look what... Uh, the apostle of the Gentiles has to say to us, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. You see this? Why did they believe? What caused them to believe and then to have love for others? Because of the hope. The message of this hope was that it's laid up for them in heaven. Man, I, I, God, I wish preachers and teachers would do that. I wish they would talk about the hope of the gospel way more than the depravity of the sinner. Because that, that, that lost soul, that sinful condition doesn't even compare to the magnitude of God's grace. In other words, you... His goodness far exceeds our badness. Paul said it like this in Romans 5, where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. So we need to talk about that which is more and emphasize what the gospel emphasizes. Yeah, we were dead in sin, no doubt about it. But Jesus came and saved us from our sins. We were impossible to save ourselves because of our condition. But thank God, Jesus rescued us. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, verse five, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. And those that would kind of lean toward a legalistic kind of mentality would say, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I don't, I don't preach this feel-good mess. I'm going to tell you the truth. Well, the truth of the gospel is there's a hope laid up for you in heaven. why not preach good news all the time? Isn't that what we're called to do? In Romans 10, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. How do you think you're going to feel after you hear a gospel of peace and glad tidings of good things? I don't want to preach don't feel good message. Well, you better be because that's what the Bible commands you to do. Better be peaceful things. Better be glad tidings. All right, I'm getting off track which has come to you, what has come to them? This gospel, the truth of the gospel, as it has also in all the world and is 
bringing forth fruit. Ooh, well, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. You need to know the grace of God in truth. For, verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. He didn't make peace through the cross. He made peace through the blood of his cross. The cross couldn't save you, but the blood could. Amen. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now, everybody say yet now. He has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you. Watch, watch the exchange here, all right? So Jesus, Jesus, he reconciled us by dying his death and pouring out his blood. And as a result, by that sacrifice, by his death, he now presents us to God holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Your mind, your sight was set on the alienation. Set on the alienation, the separation from God. We're all born with that sense of that void because we're all born sinners. It's a natural thing. And so men and women look through life to try to fill that void that only God can fill. And so Jesus, what he did for us by, and God looking on his son's sacrifice and seeing him become the sin center of the universe so that we could become the righteousness of God, elevated, praise God, we were elevated in God's sight through Jesus' sacrifice to be holy and blameless and above reproach. That's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only his effort, only his work, it is finished, he said, could take us from being alienated to being children of God. And so it takes faith for us to accept this. Because all we know is what our life experiences are. And when, you're, when your mind takes you to this place and trying to connect to God, but you only sense your own sinfulness, then that's when you need faith to accept as he sees you. Since God is, as sees you because of Jesus as holy, blameless, and above reproach, then that means that God got over our sins. He's not angry anymore. All of his anger and wrath was poured out on his son. And the Bible says that Jesus saves us from the, from the wrath to come. You understand, you all already delivered from judgment by believing on him. It's a done deal. And if you, and if you try to, well, let me, just, let me just finish reading here. If indeed you continue in what? Faith. If indeed you continue in faith and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. So you get, you get moved away from the hope of the gospel when you start thinking that, uh, have I done enough? Am I doing enough? Am I worthy to be in heaven? get out of faith, you begin to descend, to spiral down, which was preached to every creature in the heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. All right, let's go back to verse 5 
of this chapter, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, praise God, that's what got them. I want you to notice some, sometimes you get the clearer meaning of the truth when you look at the antithesis of it. So I want you to know by noticing it, what it doesn't say so that you can really know what it does say. Notice it didn't say or doesn't say that hope is laid up in heaven by or through our efforts. But this hope is laid up for us. That means somebody else purchased this for us. It is a gift, not a reward for living right. You going to heaven is not a reward to you. You going to heaven is Jesus' reward. You are all his trophies. Hallelujah. And, and his blood took away the sins of all men, meaning that he has the right to have you as his purchased possession. It's his right. They believe the gospel truth that Christ died for their sins, that he was buried and he rose again the third day. And they believe that through hearing, praise God, that came through hearing the truth of the gospel, that it is Christ and Christ alone that can save us. No part of this message includes any kind of performance on our uh, behalf or on our part. The gospel message includes, I mean, only tells us Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Christ died for sins. Christ was buried. Christ rose again from the dead. And the terms of this gospel are, believe it. That's it. Believe it. And by faith in Jesus, what, what is happening when we put our trust in him, as the Amplified Bible says, to trust in, cling to, and rely on. That means everything about your belief system is set on Jesus. Right? And in doing that, we abandon our own carnal thinking and reasoning, which is very limited and most of the time it's dumb, right? And, and, and whatever dictates or whatever demands religion puts on us uh, to prove ourselves worthy of salvation. This is one of the greatest deceptions in the earth. It's impossible for you to prove you're worthy when you're dead in sin. <laughs> Even a code of moral ethics and human effort is completely void of ability to save you. Jesus did not die for our sins to make us be good little boys and girls. He died for us to make us alive. We didn't need self-improvement. We needed resurrection. Amen. So he did that for us. And then he gives his spirit to live in us that we may know and experience the power of his resurrection by believing. Romans 8.11 talks about that. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And in that dwelling, he will quicken or make alive your mortal body or that which is subject to death. And we know, we know that there was no way that we could perform anything, as I said, because we were dead. So Romans 8 verse 5 says, or 5 verse 8, I'm sorry, Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He knew we were powerless. So he took it upon himself to bring us out of darkness and into light. 
What does this look like? Well, we first have to understand that our righteous condition is a gift from God because we believe on Jesus, right? He gifts us righteousness. As a matter of fact, God sees righteousness and faith as the same thing because he, Abraham believed God and God accounted that belief as righteousness. Well, how did, sometimes, you know, you know what I'm, I think you'll know what I'm talking about, that sometimes you feel that your righteousness is conditional and that it's kind of subservient to his righteousness. That it's not the same kind of righteousness. Like we're stepchildren or something. That we got this inferior righteousness. But if that's the case, then we're hopeless. But that's not the case. Jesus tells this story in John chapter 12. These Gentiles wanted to have an audience with him. And, and so the couple of his disciples, Peter and Philip, I mean, Andrew and Philip came and asked Jesus if he, you know, would talk to these Gentiles if they could see him. And, and they went and asked, because God, John's giving these details to tell us that this was not part of Jesus' thing, right? So the fact that these guys, uh, Jesus didn't have a mission to the Gentiles, the fact that they want to have audience with him is, that's a big question, right? So, and they ask, <laughs> and then Jesus responds by saying, uh, the hour has come when the Son of Man should be lifted up and then he gives an illustration about that. The Son of Man should be glorified is what it said. And he says, if a gr grain of wheat should fall into the ground and die, it remains alone. But when it dies, it brings forth much grain. All right? This parable is about him. And Jesus is that seed, that stone. And God said a law from the very beginning, the seed produces after its kind. So you, you sow an apple seed, what are you going to get? Hmm? It's generation after generation. Check this out. So based on that principle, God sowed his son as a seed. What is the harvest on that sowed son? Many sons. Which means you are just like Jesus. You're just like him. As righteous he is, as he is, so are you. You are secure in that way as sons. You are just as secure as a son that, as, as Jesus is. Otherwise, the seed did not produce after its own kind. This is the truth of the gospel. But how we struggle with it. Because many times we're waiting for that other shoe to drop. Okay, what's the catch? Because there are false teachers and preachers who teach the catch. It's a bait and switch. I've got good news for you. You are, you are saved by grace, but you maintain your salvation by performing well. This has been that religious mantra for many, many years. In the very beginning, at the first council in Jerusalem, and the church was in, in its infancy, this subject got brought up, this very subject, that the Pharisees, the law people, were seeing these Gentiles get saved, and they said, well, well that's great, okay, 
but they have to keep the rules too. They have to be circumcised and they got to keep the law of Moses. So this huge fight breaks out. I mean, just big debate. And then Peter stands up and recounts what happened at Cornelius' house. How the Gentiles heard the word of the gospel and God purified their hearts by faith. There was no, there was no praying a sinner's prayer. They had no hoops to jump through that we have done so well in building up. Fear tactics. Instead of just loving the grace of God and preaching the gospel truth. Because there, the first Gentile convert got saved by hearing the gospel. And in his heart, he believed it. And the proof of that was that God gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, these people start speaking in tongues. And Peter's like, wait, 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 that's not our system. No, that's not our system. That's not how people get saved. We have a process. We have them first raise their hand. If they, first, they got to close their eyes. And then they got to raise their hand that they want to be saved. Well, that's not going to be enough. Now we got to have you stand up in front of everybody because Jesus said, you deny me before men. I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. They're like, oh my God. This is difficult. Why is it? Why have we made that so hard? Because the truth is, they're ashamed of the gospel. So they got to help it. Oh, oh, it's not good enough to stand up. Now you need to come forward. Like, why don't we just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm pretty sure that's what the Bible teaches us. I don't, even, I don't ever remember seeing an altar call in here. It's become idol worship. And it's a shame. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. Oh, my goodness. And then he says in verse 6, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit. See, religious people don't like this. They don't like this. That simple faith in God brings forth fruit. And what did he say? Your faith, we've heard of your faith and your love for all the saints. Receiving and accepting this grace of God did not cause the people to get lazy. It didn't cause them to go, hey, I'm licensed to do anything. That's what the legalistic preacher says. Get a license to sin. Really? The Bible says that the law is the strength to sin. Galatians, uh, uh, Romans 6.14 says, sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under law. You're under grace. If you're under law, you are given, you are licensing yourself to sin. But when you're under grace, you reign over sin. <sighs> Sounds too good to be true, but it's still true. Just full acceptance of that grace changes everything because grace teaches us too. Titus 2.11, grace, the, the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and something else. <laughs> So it's our teacher. The grace of God teaches us the holy living way. All right. Can y'all take a little bit more? It is so good, this gospel, in that it freely offers salvation to those who simply receive it by faith. So again, it's acceptable. I mean, it's difficult for someone who is bound up in legalism to accept that because they believe they are only accepted by God as long as they are living right. 
and they fall in and out of his acceptance. And so what they feel like, they need to balance the grace of God. How do you balance something that's perfectly balanced already? Now, what they do is they take it out of balance. No man can add to or fix the gospel. We can't explain it enough. And when we have, when we just love the gospel for what it is and believe in it and believe in its power and believe that that gospel message has in it the power of God to salvation to all who call upon him, all who believe. Yeah, well, but they really going to understand. What's the gospel? Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. Yes, that's not that easy. Yes, it is. Jesus did all the difficult part. But if we begin to trust in ourselves, then we fall from grace. I've heard this so much uh, in the earlier years in life when the church was not as free in the gospel as it is now. And they used to say, believing isn't everything. Even the demons believe. Quoting James, wait, believing isn't everything. Okay, what, what, what does the Bible teach us about that? Uh, it says that we walk by faith. We walk, our manner of living is by faith. We, the just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith isn't everything. Faith isn't enough. Faith is everything. It's everything. If you are out of faith, you are out of God's pleasure. Wow. All right. Let's go to Galatians 3. I've got a couple more things to share with you. You are really quiet. Listen, this is so good. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you or tricked you that you should not obey the truth? What does it mean to obey the truth? Well, in Romans 10, where Paul talks about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then he says, but have they, have they not heard? He's talking initially about, the, about Israel. Talking about Israel. He says, have they not heard? Yes, they have heard. But they, uh, oh my gosh, I just went blank. Give me one second. How then shall they, uh, let's see. Mm -hmm. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Verse 18 of Romans 10. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, that did Israel not know? First, Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. He's talking about the Gentiles. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. Thank you. <laughs> but is Israel is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient, contrary people. All right, that's not where I wanted to go. Oh, there it is, verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So to obey the gospel is to believe the gospel. Okay? That's what it means to obey this truth that we're talking about here in, uh, in this passage of Scripture, Galatians 3. Now watch. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? I mean, it's a rhetorical question. Let's go ahead and answer that. Which one is it? The hearing of faith. 
Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if, it, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit, listen to this, and works miracles among you, does he do it because you keep the rules? Or is it done by the hearing of faith? Hmm? The one who is bound up in law would tell you, you got to count the cost. you got to pay the price if you want to see the hand of God moving in your life. You have to, if you want to see those miracles, then you've got to be willing to pay the price. Uh, wait, wait, hang on. He paid the price. You're asking me to pay a debt that's already been paid. Hypocrite. The supply of the Spirit and the working of miracles comes because we believe. The hearing of faith, the hearing of faith, when we hear of this gospel of you are saved by grace through faith, then faith comes by the hearing, and that's why we see more miracles in that atmosphere because the atmosphere of faith is the breeding ground for miracles, and the supply of the Spirit freely comes to those who believe on the Lord Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. So the notion that believing is not enough is a flat-out refusal of the truth of the gospel. Remember that. Okay. I want to go to one last scripture. Um, sorry, um, media team, I didn't give you this one, but it's going to be 1 John chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. All right. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Did that, did that make any of you nervous when you read that? <laughs> Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Okay, how many of you are born of God that you're saved? How many of you have sinned? Wait, what does that say? Hmm? I can remember my conclusion when I first read that was, well, I guess I'm not saved. <laughs> right? You see, I mean, it's so black and white. It's like, what is born of God does not sin. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can very well sin. So I guess I, it didn't stick. So I was always at that altar praying this little song, into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. This, he keeps popping out because I keep sinning, and then he, I had to invite him back into my heart. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wonderful schizophrenic experience. But here's, here's the deal. Chris, come up here, you handsome man. I was going to say devil, but you're better than that. What part of him can you see that is born of God? All you see is what's in the flesh, that which is born of woman. Your spirit is that which is born of God, right? And so as a result of your spirit being born of God, this tells us 
just how holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight we are, that your spirit cannot sin. Oh. That, then that, that makes Hebrews 10.14 really, we get better understanding. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So while you are perfected, you're also in a process. But don't you ever identify with that which is in the flesh or that which is in the soul, but that which is in the spirit. You are right now perfectly in tune, one spirit with God. Praise God. Thank you, handsome. Into perfectly. So this is why he's saying, listen, this is the victory that we have in the spirit. That it is a total victory once and for all. And so since you cannot sin in the spirit, oh, so look, why? Because his seed remains in him. If I had two apples, one was perfectly ripe, crispy, juicy, and then there's one that had some issues. It's beginning to rot. There is a wormhole in it, you know. If I took those apples, took the seeds out of those apples, and I put them in the ground and planted them, which one will produce an apple tree? Because the seed, it's in the seed, not in the fruit. Mm. Because his seed remains. Hallelujah. Thank God. This is proof again. It cannot be about our performance. Because if it is, we're doomed. It's all him. He paid it all. His seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Woo, praise God. Father, thank you for this time together. We thank you for the beautiful good news. And this good news does not have fine print. This good news does not have uh, um, a clause in it. This good news is simply good news. What incredible news it is for that one who is alienated and an enemy because of his own sense without God. And so he has concluded that God is far away. But Father, thank you for that news that comes right near to that one who is lost and who is confused and unsure. It says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He doesn't hold your sins against you. He took them away. And there is hope laid up for you in heaven. Thank you, Lord, that we all at one time in our lives heard that gospel and believed it. And a miracle birth happened instantaneously. May we bring this hope into this world to not preach the darkness, to not call out all the sin, but to bring up, lift up the gospel to a Savior who is greater than all of our sins. Thank you, Jesus, for bleeding and dying for our sins and for rising again from the dead so that we all are assured 
and have full assurance and hope of our own personal resurrection. Thank you, Lord. Bless all these that are here today. And I want to encourage you today, if you're here and you, you don't know the Lord, you don't know the Lord, you, you're on the outside looking in. You feel that alienation and that void. I want to encourage you to believe on him right now. Put your faith in Jesus. Accept that he died for your sins. It's one thing to know that Jesus died for the world. But when you take it personal that he died for your sins and believe that he was buried and that he rose again from the dead, that's all you need to know and to believe. To go from a stranger to a child of God. And I can offer you some words this morning to offer to him. I can't give you faith, but I can give you some some words. And if I can just have everybody here help me out here. Just pray this. God, I've heard this message today. And I believe it. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you were buried. And I believe that you rose from the dead three days later. Come into my life. Come live in me. I confess Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for accepting me and always, always loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for being here today. I love you all very much. And I want to challenge you like I did the first service. Take this message to somebody this week. Ask the Lord to lead you, to open that door of opportunity for you to speak out these words of life. These words that have the power to save somebody. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? We're not saved by works, but we're saved by words. The message of the gospel. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and all of your house and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com. 